It was dusk, winter dusk. Snow lay white and shining over the pleated hills, and icicles hung from the forest trees. Snow lay piled on the dark road across Willoughby Wold, but from dawn men had been clearing it with brooms and shovels. There were hundreds of them at work, wrapped in sacking because of the bitter cold, and keeping together in groups for fear of the wolves grown savage and reckless from hunger. Snow lay thick too upon the roof of Willoughby Chase, the great house that stood on an open eminence in the heart of the world. But for all that, the chase looked an inviting home, a warm and welcoming stronghold. Its rosy herringbone brick was bright and well cared for. Its numerous turrets and battlements stood up sharp against the sky, and the crenellated balconies, corniced with snow, each held a golden square of window. The house was all alight within, and the joyous hubbub of its activity contrasted with the sombre sighing of the wind and the hideous howling of the wolves without. In the nursery, a little girl was impatiently dancing up and down before the great window, fourteen feet high, which faced out over the park and commanded the long black expanse of road. Will she be here soon, Patton? Will she? was her continual cry. We shall hear soon enough, I dare say, Miss Bonny, was the inevitable reply from her maid, who, on hands and knees in front of the fire, was folding and goffering the frills of twenty lace petticoats. The little girl turned again to her impatient vigil. She had climbed up onto the window seat, the better to survey the snowy park, and was jumping on its well-sprung cushions covered in crimson satin. Each time she bounced, she nearly hit the ceiling. Give over, Miss Bonnie, do, said Patton, after a while. Look at the dust you're raising. I can hardly see my tongs. Come and sit by the fire. We shall hear soon enough when the train's due. Bonnie left her perch reluctantly enough and came to sit by the fire. She was a slender creature, small for her age, but rosy-cheeked, with a mass of tumbled black locks falling to her shoulders and two brilliant blue eyes, equally ready to dance with laughter or flash with indignation. Her square chin also gave promise of a powerful and obstinate temper, not always perfectly controlled. But her mouth was sweet, and she could be very thoughtful on occasion. As now, when she sat gazing into the fire, piled high on its two carved alabaster wolfhounds. I hope the train hasn't been delayed by wolves, she said presently. Nonsense, Miss Bonny, dear. Don't worry your pretty head with thoughts like that, replied Patton. You know the porters and station master have been practising with their muskets and fowling pieces all the week. At that moment, there was a commotion from downstairs, and Bonny turned, her face alight with expectancy. As the noise of dogs barking, men shouting, and the doorbell clanging continued, she flew recklessly along the huge expanse of nursery floor, gleaming and polished as glass, and down the main staircase to the entrance hall. Her impetuosity brought her in a heap to the feet of an immensely tall, thin lady, clad from neck to toe in a travelling dress of swathed grey twill, 
with a stiff collar, dark glasses and dull green buttoned boots.